0: How's it going, guys? I mean, like, I was just going to give you, you know me, like, I was just going to say, what's up, and expect, like, a chill response, but how would that kind of energy, no, I, I want you guys to give me one, like, what is up? How is it going? Give it to me. You're going <laughs> to, hey, it's good to be back. Um, so I was gone last week. I really missed you guys. And I was in Houston, Texas, Houston, Texas, for a wedding. Uh, Guys, it was a beautiful wedding. But the weather in Houston compared to Iowa, it was just, ooh, it was perfect. It was perfect out. It was great. And I think here's what happened. I think that I brought a little bit of it back with me. Come on. (laughs) You had it today. You probably enjoyed the wonderful weather. I hope you did. I hope that you had the chance um, really just to get outside and to enjoy kind of, maybe it's the spring. I don't know. Maybe you heard it here. (laughs) Cool. So let's get into it. Um, Jacob, he kicked us off last week into our series, Fulfilled. Fulfilled. Jacob started us off with the law. How is Jesus come to fulfill the law. And you've seen, like, when I think about Jesus' fulfillment, I think about Matthew 5. I think about when Jesus, he says, I have not come to abolish the law, but instead I have come to fulfill it. And that's kind of where, where we're pulling this from. And Jacob, he went through with us, he explained to us that the law existed to show us our inadequacy our inadequacy, to point us toward our need for God, our need for a savior, our need to be saved. And, you know, as we are diving in tonight, we're going to be reading a letter written to people who would have been very familiar with the law. They would have been very, very familiar uh, with those first five books of our Bible, the Pentateuch, the law, um, those first five written by, by Moses, and they would have understood deeply something that I worry that we miss, actually. Um, and so as we're, as we're moving through and moving into Hebrews, and, and we'll get to that in a moment, here's what worries me. Uh, I'm worried that you guys are like me, and you got a Bible in a year reading plan and you were full steam ahead, you were going for it, you were cruising, Genesis got bumpy, but you kept going, and then you got through Exodus, and then you started to get right around to Leviticus, and you lost it a little bit. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about tonight, right? Like, we were talking about the priesthood and the sacrificial system, and so you probably started to dip a little bit into Leviticus, and then lost some steam, your sacrifices, I, I don't understand, there's 3,000 years and a couple of thousand miles separating you from the people that, these, that this was written to, and I, I, so I worry. I worry that maybe we haven't captured the gravity of what the Hebrews have. And so before we get started, I just, put yourself in an example for me. I think a lot of you guys could relate to this. Like, you're, you're at work. You're working, but you're not really working. You're scrolling on your phone. You're, you're going through, um, and it's not what you're paid for. You're just scrolling through your phone. You're distracted. Hey, maybe you're reading. Maybe you're doing something for class. Also not what you're paid for. And your boss, he walks in. What do you do, right? Like, he's, he's caught you. He's, he's got you. You're on your phone, Instagram reels, 15 minutes deep in the swipe. Like, you're, <laughs> he doesn't know how much time, but it's clear. It's clear this has been a moment. And, hey, like, what rises out of us? What comes out of us when we're confronted with this? He walks in, and instantly you're going, oh, I was just about to. Oh, I was just getting to. I was, I was going to like it rises within us. Guys, this is the need for us to justify ourselves. This is the need in the face of what we have been caught in to justify ourselves, to, to give an account of what is going on. And see, here's the thing. The Hebrews, they are tempted. And these Hebrew Christians, they're tempted to, to revert back. They're tempted to revert back to their, to their sacrificial system because they're, they're looking for justification and because of their familiarity with the law that's super proximal to them they recognize their need for justification and as we're going to see they look for it in the wrong spot but we actually have the same need that they have we have the very same need that they have god is not like a boss he sees you he does not need to walk in a door and you, like having a job, have been entrusted with a responsibility. You've, you've been created. And He created you beautifully and wonderfully and with purpose that, that we would live up to. But we've fallen short in sin. We've fallen short in sin and we stand in need of a justification. The Hebrews get this. And as we dive in today, we're going to be in Hebrews 10. I think this section has something to offer us. I think it has three things to offer us. I think it has a correction for us, a place where we need to be corrected, a clarification for us, and I think something for us to treasure. Cool. Let's get into it. Hebrews 10, it'll be up on the screen, so don't worry if you haven't gotten there yet. We're reading verses 1 through 4 here since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. What do we see? We saw right away, verse 1 For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. If you peeked over to, to Hebrews 9, you would see that Jesus is named as the high priest of the good things that have come. The high priest. And so right out the gate, the author of Hebrews, he's he's telling us the law, it's not that itself is bad, but it's just a shadow. It's a shadow of the good things to come instead of the fullness of their reality. Like imagine you, you're standing on a corner and it's a sunny day. You see somebody walking around the corner, you're going to see their shadow come first right it's an outline of them you can capture a little bit of what they are by their shadow but you don't know who it is unless they've got like a really distinctive silhouette and then i don't know but you don't know it's just resembling the truer form And then the person walks right around the corner and you can see them, you can experience them, you can walk up and greet them, you can have a conversation. This is the difference between the law as it was and the true reality as it has come. Right? And how ridiculous would it be for you to walk up to somebody's shadow, oh, it's nice to meet you. You wouldn't. It's impossible. it's because you can't capture the full reality of who someone is or something is by its shadow so something truer has come and that's what the author is getting at he's he's saying something truer has come don't be tempted to embrace this sacrificial system to go to go back to it something that is truer that is realer that is fuller has arrived But he's still going to do some some convincing here. Um, He's telling them, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins every year. So he's saying, there is an inadequacy to what you're doing. There is an inadequacy to this former system that you are tempted to go back to Because you have to keep offering it every year and he's not just talking about the sacrifices that are happening day by day the author is referencing the day of atonement this is like the big kahuna super bowl of atonement like sacrifices that can happen in their culture and he's saying you have to keep doing it year after year because it it's inadequate so if the sacrificial system is inadequate What does it do? What did it do and what was it for? That's a great question, guys. Um, Here's what it was for. It's carving out, pointing toward what would come in Jesus. So there's, there's at least a few things that the sacrificial system is doing to orient the people in the Old Testament toward what will come. Um, I think Leviticus 17.11 here kind of starts to display this reality. Um, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you, given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. By instituting the sacrificial system, God is displaying to his people. Blood is the, is the life of this sacrifice. Guys, in sacrifices, the animal dies. So he's saying the blood that is spilled is the life of this animal. And the sin that you have committed that needs to be made atonement for, it's death. Sin leads to death. And so by the blood of thousands of animals over thousands of years, he's cementing this. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. The blood must be spilled, and a substitute is needed. That's what a sacrifice is. That's what the sacrificial, is, sacrificial system is making way for. And you guys will notice this very last sentence, this very last verse, verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Atonement is achieved by these animal sacrifices. And, and what does that mean? It just means to cover, right? Like sin is, is covered over, but there's this reality that the blood of bulls and goats is insufficient to take away sins, insufficient to remove them. Sydney and I, we have a cabinet in our dining room. That's funny, right? It's a a cabinet. It's in our dining room. Sydney, the story behind this cabinet is that she was in her parents' garage one time, and she looks over and sees this dirty cabinet full of oil and soil and just, you know, random garage stuff that is dirty, but she sees... Oh, I think we can do something with that. And so they clean it out, and they slap a fresh coat of paint on it, nice and white. I think it's called, I don't know, it's like boho is the style. What? Don't, don't worry about that. Um, she takes this cabinet that was once, it was, in, it was in the garage, full of dirty things, paints over it with a white coat of paint. Everything seems fine. It's been covered up. And now it's a white, clean cabinet. But what we started to notice was this cabinet had oil stains. And so even though we'd put a fresh coat of paint on it, these oil stains, they're rising to the surface. And so those, those stains, they need to be covered up again. And this gets at the reality of what's going on here. These animal sacrifices, this sacrificial system is only sufficient to cover up. It is not sufficient to provide the removal of sins. You see the author saying perfection. To have those sins removed, to stand justified before God. And so the Hebrews they're tempted to keep embracing this system of animal sacrifice, to go to this lesser thing of covering over sin instead of the total removal of sin that has come in this true reality. And how many of you guys are thinking, wow, I've been tempted to to try and turn back to the sacrificial system. I've thought about it. You haven't. You haven't. But just like our example we feel the need to justify ourselves. We feel the need to give an account for ourselves. They're trying to cover up for sin, but what are we trying to cover up for, right? Also sin, but we do it in different ways. We're trying to justify ourselves by a reputation, a reputation for being good, a reputation for success. We're trying to be successful. Right? Like, how do I justify myself? How do I cover over these things? We walk through life trying to justify ourselves. Let's keep going. Ooh, I missed a point here. The correction that was offered to us. Guys, the correction is that Sin is not removed by works. That's what was offered to us here. Is that we can't cover over. And even if we're not trying to embrace this sacrificial system by the reputation we have or the good deeds that we perform, we cannot cover over. So we'll continue here in verse 5. These are offered according to the law. And then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. And he does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So we see right away this word, consequently. Think as, as a result of, so carrying forward directly out of the verse we read right before, that for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. We need something better. We need something better. And so out of the words of Christ here, he's speaking the words of Psalm 40, and we see sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. We see offerings and sin offerings God has taken no pleasure in. And this is pointing us toward the heart of the sacrificial system. I think this is really well displayed by another psalm that was written by King David. Um, this is Psalm 51, verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. This is what God desires, right? This is what the sacrificial system was to be moving them toward and orient and point them toward this greater sacrifice because we see what has come in all sufficiency here, Jesus' sacrifice. He has brought that forgiveness. The blood of bulls and goats can never remove sin. Consequently, the, the blood of Jesus, it can it can, it has come. And it says, oh man, he doesn't does away with the first order in with the first in order to establish the second. By Christ's offering in blood, this has been established. And that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, completely finished. And then it moves toward this priesthood of Jesus. And every priest stands daily at his service, repeatedly offering the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But what Christ has offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sin, and then he sits down, right? Like priests, their entire job was to perform these rituals, was to mediate between the people and God for his presence to be among them. And yet the author is saying there's a problem. They have to keep standing day after day. Just like the sacrificial system, they have to keep going over and over again. It's proving its inadequacy. But Jesus, as the high priest of the fullness, of the good things that have come, he offers one sacrifice, one single sacrifice, and then he sits down, Like The rest of the priests, they have to stand continually for their job to be accomplished. But Christ, in this one act, accomplishes it. Here's the clarification for us, guys. Justification came once for all through Christ. The justification that they're looking for in the system of atonement and sacrifice, and that we're looking for by bolstering our reputation so that we can be seen. It's come once and for all in Christ. Guys, and after he sits down, verse 13 here, he's waiting for the time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And this gives us a really zoomed out view of what is going on. That Christ, his sacrifice is, is powerful, sufficient. And it only took one. What the, blood's, what the blood of goats and bulls continually could never do Christ has done. Sins have been removed. You see this idea of perfection, right? And you're going like, does that mean like we're perfected once we're in Christ? Like all sin has been forgiven? It's true, all sin has been forgiven, but does that mean that, that we don't continue sinning? No, what's been secured here? is perfect security in eternity, that all sin has been removed and we've been secured in eternal destination with Jesus. And then it continues on for at the end of, of 14 there, who are being sanctified so that by God's Holy Spirit abiding in us, we continue to be sanctified. And like I said, we get this, this zoomed out view of what Christ's offering has done And I think to to try and catch a little bit of a zoomed in view for us here, I'm going to take us to Isaiah 53. This sufficient offering, what did it look like? Isaiah 53.4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And his, by his, And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Guys, that is the one-time offering, the powerful one-time offering that God laid all the iniquity that we deserved on Jesus, that Jesus, he came, He's, he's God. He's born as a baby into a broken world. He lives out a life on this broken planet that we all inhabit, And he lives it perfectly as we ought to have. And then he offers his life. He offers his life as a sacrifice for us. That's the one-time offering. That he would bear our iniquity. That he would be pierced for the transgressions that we've committed. How arrogant of us to try and justify ourselves with our, with our actions. Sin means death. The wages of sin are death. But we have come into a free gift. We've come into a free gift that Christ has given us. And here I think, guys, this is the treasure for us that we can cherish Christ's sacrifice to delight in God's presence, right? That if we treasure what Christ has done for us in his sacrifice, we move in to delighting in God's presence. When I think about this, I think about um, a parable in Matthew 13, I think about that it's a story of a man who's in a field and he finds a great treasure. He finds this, this great treasure and it's so great, he covers it up and he runs away and he sells everything he has. He sells absolutely everything he has so that he can have the money to purchase the field because he recognizes its value. That's like this. Cherishing the treasure of Christ's sacrifice, his superior one-time, all-atoning sacrifice that hasn't just covered over sins. It's removed them. Guys, if we try to justify ourselves any other way, if you try to justify yourself by success, you might have some zeros in your bank account or points on a resume, but you won't be delighting in the presence of God that has been won for you by Christ. If you're worried about the approval of others and justifying yourself by gaining a good reputation, you might get it. You might. People might think well of you and speak well of you, but what could you be missing out on? You could be missing out on God's presence Treasure Christ, treasure him like the man in the field that would sell everything else, They would cherish him above all else, the only thing that can justify us, the only one who can make us perfect, the only one that by his spirit continues to sanctify us. We don't run to a sacrificial system, but we run to other things. And so guys, like how do we apply this? How do, you, how do you think about this? I think that, that this is like a tricky one to apply in our lives because it's sneaky. We don't realize when we're, when we're doing this. But I think the best way for us to consider this is to first of all go to God in prayer and ask him to reveal those things that we go to, that we cherish and treasure above him. Ask him to reveal those things to us. And two, we allow ourselves to be steeped in his word, corrected by him. And we place ourselves in community where people can speak into our lives. And so, guys, as you head out tonight, just consider hey, where? Where am I aiming to justify myself outside of Christ? And how can I remind myself of Hebrews here? That his sacrifice is fully sufficient. That he went to the cross and he bore all inequity. And he, unlike the priests of this day, he sat down. His work is done. Pray with me, guys. Um, Lord, Father, I just, I just pray over our hearts, Lord, that we would singularly cherish you, God, that we would not be tempted to justify ourselves by lesser things, that we would not attempt to give an account of our lives by something other than the all-sufficient, all-atoning sacrifice. Of your son. Lord, break our hearts. Help us to see what has been accomplished and done in you. Lord, that is so powerful. The other priests they offer day after day after day. The other sacrifices, all they could do was cover up. But you, Jesus, you removed sin you sat down after your finished work, and we want to worship you for it. Boldly allow us to enter into your presence, God, as we cherish your son.